So Joe Biden and I have many things in common. So other than uh, being ruggedly handsome public servants that <laughs> love Amtrak, we uh, there's one new thing that I uh, I found out we have in common that I didn't know before. What's that? Uh, we were both early adopters of the Nike Fuel Band. Oh, how'd you find that out? I was looking. <laughs> I forgot what I was googling for back when I was. I was. I was looking. I think this was back when I was looking for pictures of uh, Barack Obama to send because uh, I was trying to remember what a real president looked like. Uh huh. Um, back when the office had dignity. Um, and yeah, no, he uh, was wearing. He was wearing a fuel band and like a classic style watch, which actually didn't look too out of place. But I was very, very uh, proud because I know. Barack Obama, he is, um, I think for the last few years, because of Michelle Obama's whole like Get Fit America initiative thing, he was partial to the Fitbit surge. But yeah, uh, Joe Biden uh, was a fuel band guy for quite a while. And I don't know what he's up to these days because the fuel band was unceremoniously uh, put out to pasture. It was it was sent upstate. <laughs> so, but so just to be clear. <laughs> With the jawbone up. Right. Um, when you mentioned earlier that he was wearing both a classic watch and a fuel band, that this wasn't on the same wrist, was it? it damn, I gotta find this picture. Um, oh, this is what it was. Okay, no, now I remember what this was for. This wasn't me googling uh, <laughs> pictures of a dignified president. Let me send this over. Although it was that too. Yes, but this is this is the best picture of Joe Biden in the history of all photography. It's him with with two ten dollar bills, <laughs> licking licking an ice cream cone. Wearing uh, are these Ray Bans or Aviators or are those the same thing? Um, they are. Well, they're they're Aviator style Ray Bans, and yes, yes, they are Ray Bans. You can see the okay. the logo up there. So this is the best. Actually, this might be the best picture on the uh, on the internet or of any public official ever. But no, he's wearing it on the same wrist. Doesn't look that out of place. But yeah, he's got he's got a, a Nike Fuel Band. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, this is a, this is a wonderful picture, so I, I don't want to, uh, take a, too much away from it, but I can't get fully behind the watch and fuel band on the same wrist. I think it's fine. He, if anybody's going to pull it off, it's, it's him. So there's that, but and he does, <laughs> uh, oh. Speaking of Biden, you you sent this to me today, but um, I feel that, like it, it yeah mm-hmm. it warrants mention on the show the the woman who brought her little golden retriever puppy who was named after him, so it was named named Biden, and it got to meet the actual Joe Biden today, and then proceeded to take a nap. Um, I, I forget where they were, um, but anyway, wherever 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 they were going, the the puppy decided it was okay <laughs> just to take a nap, like in the middle of the of the walkway and it was kind of adorable so hold on so if anybody wants to look up that dog it's uh biden the golden on instagram it's pretty gosh dang cute (laughs) in the caption of this picture find somebody who looks at you the way joe biden looked at me uh that that unfortunately that reminds me of there was that picture going around yesterday of um cruz during the gorsuch hearings Did did you see that one I only saw the thing where um, Darth put up like the Zodiac font stuff. <laughs> next to it. There, so there was that, but then there was another picture going around that Cruz is sort of just ugh, just being the slimy what whatever he is. It's just like he's got his like elbow on the um, the desk and he's got his, his kind of chin resting in his hand and he's sort of just like looking longingly at Gorsuch as he's talking and it's it's you can just you can feel the like the slime just coming through your monitor. 
Yeah, to, to, for some eye bleach, we can uh, look at this uh, Biden the golden napping in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. It was it was the Capitol. I, I was going to say that, but then I, I I didn't think that was right. But yeah, no, you're exactly right. Man, look at this little dude. It's pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Uh, what next? Oh, so let's yeah, let's get all the small stuff out of the way first. So th- this is what I'm going to put on you. Uh, you, you apparently tried to go visit an Amagon, uh, Amagon, Amazon Go store. <laughs> I'm not sure if you intended for that to be public or not, but yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, it's after the fact now. Um, wait, is it Amazon Go or is it Amazon Fresh or is it Prime Go? What is it called? I think it's Amazon Go. Fresh is the the home delivery thing for groceries. And you ever know this a little bit of a sidetrack topic first but you ever notice that with particularly a lot of like smaller bathroom items they're also classified as amazon fresh which means that they're not eligible for prime and so the only way to get free shipping on them is to put them in a fresh box and i actually don't even really know exactly what that entails but i I think there's like some minimum purchase and i think fresh also requires like a separate annual fee you might be able to get some free trial or something of it but Wait, so you can't even just lump a like uh like a CPG product in in with like a regular $35 prime order? Well, so there there are some as you say CPG items that are like add-on items that you can do exactly that. But then there are some that are Amazon Fresh, which I believe have to be included in an Amazon Fresh order, which is not part of your Prime subscription. Got it. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so I went, went up to Seattle the, two weekends ago now and um, had convinced the lady friend to, to stop by this Amazon Go store on the, on the way to the airport our last day there. Um, and unfortunately, the night before, I um, looked it up because I, I wanted to make sure there wasn't anything like you had to do beforehand to prepare for it. And it actually turns out there's like an app you have to download, which, which makes sense. Um, but as part of doing that, I realized that the store was not yet open to the public it, it, on their website. It's, it's said for a while that, um, it was opening to the public in early 2017, but, um, evidently the, uh, the middle of March is, uh, still within that, that window, I guess. So not, not yet open to the public. I am disappointed. You didn't like just break out your laptop and, and just like bang on the door and point to the part where it says valued Amazon Prime customer since 2006. <laughs> uh, my Amazon Prime profile says I still live in Santa Barbara. That's weird. Okay. How is that possible? I don't know. It's still, and it still has my picture of Alan the Green. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have, you just been, have you just been shipping things to Santa Barbara? No, apparently you have an Amazon profile that like, as it, like it's some kind of social profile and that's kind of weird. Oh, oh wait, is, that, is, it, is Amazon getting into the um, the social media space? Is this like Amazon Ping? Is that um, is that going to be a thing? I think it's probably more of a, a Google Plus type situation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it shows it shows my three star review of the Quiet Comfort thirty five headphones. All right. <laughs> I'm still bummed about those. I I've the more I've used them, the more I like them. So dang uncomfortable, man. Yeah, I think it's. I think you just have to kind of break them in. Because I've worn them for a couple of extended sessions the last few months, and they're great. I was I was right there with you when I first got them, but but they're yeah, they're really good now. I love the fact that you can use them either wired or wireless too. I think that's really smart. 
But the problem is if you use them wired, the they don't, or maybe this is just on the QC25s, but I don't think they um, they don't engage the noise cancellation or it doesn't sound right. Like it sounds way different. No, the, the noise cancellation is, is turned on no matter what. In fact, there's no way to turn it off. So when you're using it with wired, you're just simply using the cable instead of Bluetooth. But sound quality seems to be the same. Hmm. And that's really handy when, um, you know, you want to split audio on, on your iPad if you're watching a video with someone, which I, you know, frequently will do when I'm, when I'm traveling. And so having that, you know, that non-Bluetooth option is really nice. Because as far as I know, you can't connect two uh, sets of Bluetooth headphones to an iPad and stream audio simultaneously to both of them. So if you want to share audio, I think that that wired method's kind of the only, only way to go. Yeah, that sounds right. All right, last bit of follow-up. So do you want to discuss anything that happened on the last episode of Upgrade or no? <sighs> it seems like there was, it seems like there was a lot of stuff. So remind me if like or remind we cuz we've talked about reserve thumb space. So we have to have done on this show some like a home screen comparison at one point, right? Yeah, I was actually while listening to that, I I thought whether we had done that. And I think we we did so not really all that long ago. Okay. So the only thing that in that that this reminds me of or brings up in and I only bring this up because you greatly respect the opinion generally of 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 Mr. Jason Snell. Very and we, much in, so. And an upgrade is one of the podcasts we probably look forward to most um every week. Uh and also side note, I'm not all over the place. Monday is a very good podcast release day. You get the 538 podcast, you get upgrade, you get a couple others. It's 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 a good day. Um, but no, he's he's an advocate of the reserved thumb space area that I think I am a pioneer of, and I'm I'm just glad that I have an ally on my side now for this for this debate because it is it is the right way to operate a phone. It's the same thing that Apple did on the first iPhone. They kept it going for a few generations, and then for some reason, under Tim Cook's Apple, you know, which which is doomed anyway, they they abandoned that principle. But I it still lives on with me, and I'm I'm glad I have an advocate for this. So just to uh, elaborate a little bit on, on what you're talking about here. So to remind folks, your definition of reserved thumb space is to have, it's, it's just one empty icon space, no, right? Two, uh, two spaces. Two, two spaces, sorry. Um, on the bottom right-hand corner of your iPhone, so the bottom row of icons above the, the dock area. Jason takes this to just a completely illogical extreme, and he leaves that entire row, that entire bottom row... Uh, blank, which I had, I had, I've been frustrated with you about this for quite some time, but am even more so now for for two reasons with Jason. One, just obviously because he's doing an entire row, but also since we've originally had this conversation and since I originally started getting upset about this, I've upgraded to the plus, and so not only is he robbing himself of an entire row, but he's doing so on a smaller version of the phone because he's not a, a Plus user. So as someone who uses the Plus phone and uses all available application slots like a normal person, the thought of leaving an entire row blank on a smaller phone is just mind-boggling. And you've, and you've now just sent me a screenshot of, of your phone, and I, I, can just, I can just feel my blood boiling. God, and you, I forgot, I forgot that you put folders on your home screen too. Oh my God. Yeah. You, you. Oh my God. I can't, just can't even, and, and, oh, and don't even get me started on the, the 16 patch counter on your OmniFocus. 
I've got shit to do in the next 24 hours. So no, okay, oh. you're uh, all right. So you're wrong in a, in a lot of ways. First, you're right, you're wrong about having an iPhone 7 Plus, which is like just a verify a verifiably um, a bad product, in a, in a, in a, and you should feel bad for having it. <laughs> um, and also, and again, I, I remind you, uh, Your Honor, that uh, you uh, the universe proved this to you by making you drop <laughs> the phone. It was trying to kill it, but then it. Uh, steak and apple care. I'm a, I'm a little surprised that you didn't blame Uber in that situation, considering that I was getting that getting out of an Uber when it happened. I thought you'd find a way, way to to blame a Kalanick or something. Uh, no, no, he's he's got his own he's got his own situation. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So the, you're you're wrong about the seven plus. So that's that's well. Actually, what what's the grid on the seven plus? Do you get an extra row? Um, are there seven the, rows? The, the one, the one time I don't have my my iPhone here at the desk. Hold on. All right, I will direct everybody to keep looking at Biden the Golden. It's pretty cool. Well, we'll we'll edit this together seamlessly. No, it's fine. Um, uh, so topic. I get. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, no, please. No, just during that break, I was going to remind people that uh, Wilson, the golden retriever, is one of the best follow recommendations you've ever oh, it's, given it, anybody. I, I Every time I see you uh, like one of his photos, it, it warms my heart. I feel so bad about his current situation with the cone. Yeah, well, it but seems, he's still it seems such like an awesome he's, guy. It seems like he's he's almost on the mend. Yeah. Poor dude. All right. Um. Okay. So anyway, so I I have have my iPhone now. Shame shame for me for not having. Well, hold on. Can, can you just ready. screenshot it real quick so I can be angry about your damn stock application? Um, Please tell me it's it's been demoted. Uh, no, no, it, it's still there. I've been been actively investing a little bit more lately, and so makes makes sense to to have it here. So in Slack, I go to the plus. Use last photo taken. That's a great feature, by the way, in Slack. That's under underrated. The the use last photo taken. Mm-hmm. Very smart. So, um, I guess the answer is so. Wait, still... so there is there is no extra space. So then, why, then why does it make a difference what size phone he has? Is there not an additional? Oh, you know what it is. I think you can have. I think you can have one more icon in the dock, kind of like with the iPad. But then there's no be... symmetry to it. That that would be I think, madness. I think, am I making that up too? Hold on. I could have sworn the Plus had. No, it doesn't even let you do that, huh? Yeah, I I take okay, so all that there, back. There's no difference, huh? I I could have sworn the plus had. I thought even Mike made reference to that too, but hmm. yeah. Anyway, um, all right, yeah, whatever. That's okay. Well, we'll 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 just let this go. The only thing I will point out is that this background situation. I thought last time we did this, I somehow convinced you to get, you had this weird like picture you took at a, like a brewery or something that was really illegible across the, the icons. Uh-huh. And now you've gone to something that's somehow even harder to see because you're totally obscuring the, uh, the uh, San Jose sharks thing. Um, well, I, th- I think it maybe just doesn't come through super well in the, the screenshot, but when I, when I look at my phone in person, the background works pretty well and all, all the icons are are legible and then yeah i mean you obscure the icon but i mean and, and you you move the camera icon from where it has to be to remind you where the camera lens is uh, okay mm. 
I have thought about maybe after that episode of Upgrade, thought about maybe taking the camera app off my home screen. No, J- Jason's completely wrong about that. Uh, he made a lot of sense. No, no, because Control Center is a mess. Controls anybody who there are certain people who advocate that the clock and the camera should not be there because they're so easily accessible with Control Center, which which is a, a lie and a bad way to live your life. Because Control Center is, is notoriously unreliable. If you are, happen to be listening to music, like it just seems like it's always on the wrong window. It's on music controls when you want something else. It's never on music controls when you want it to be. So no, it, it, camera needs to stay there. It just needs to stay in the upper right because that's that's how God intended it. I don't I don't think I mean so much relying on Control Center, but nine times out of ten that I access the camera, it's through the um, left to right gesture on the lock screen. Yeah, still. But I, I, I guess there, I guess it does happen often enough where my phone's already unlocked and I w- and I want to get to the camera. And to your point, if you hide the icon, the only effective way to do that's through Control Center. And I still feel like I mean, how long has Control Center been around? It's been since I was seven, three, yeah, three or four years now. I still feel like I only get that thing to come up like sixty percent of the time. That that gesture from the bottom of the iPhone, I just I don't know if it's something with me or what, but I just do not find that to be reliable at all. Yeah, a little bit of a mess. And I, I think the other part that's sort of a, a disaster, at least for me anyway, is is swiping left or right to get between the different, you know, I don't know, really know what you would call them, cards or whatever in Control Center now. I always feel like I end up like accidentally tapping on a button or something when I mean to to swipe left or right. Yeah. And you still can't force touch on the on the uh like the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth buttons, which you really should be able to. Yeah, that that's really odd. Yeah. So force touch or th- whatever. But it's weird because they added that functionality to like the settings app. You can force touch and it'll give you some additional options. So it's it's weird that they didn't add that to control center when they when they did that. Yeah. And then do you want to address uh, the multi iPad lifestyle? That that's actually that's actually what I thought you were going to lead with. No, no. So it's it's mainly the reserve, the reserve thumb space. But but this I do since it's been um an ongoing subject on this show is that there are a lot of people I think we're both of the common opinion that the iPad is is a great device for certain uses and a lot of people like it. I think uh a lot of people bought into the iPad thinking it would do more than it actually does, but for a lot of people like me, it occupies like this um weird space as a third rarely used device that has some some good uses like for me it's it's crosswords and reading books but that's mainly about it but um jason is is very into the ipad um he has his desktop mac but uh, loves the ipad for everything else and then mike hurley the other uh host of upgrade um is very 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 into the ipad um and actually uh coined what's called the multi-ipad lifestyle which means that he uh, has both a 13-inch iPad and a, and, an, uh, and a Baby Pro that he uses. And he uses them entirely differently, and he will frequently use them at the same time, as opposed to using a Mac and just having two windows open at the same time. So I, 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 my only point that I want to bring to this is that since this seems to be so popular uh, with, with uh, the T-word circles, that maybe I should start the multi-Mac lifestyle, where you operate... Uh, an, an iMac and a MacBook Pro uh, independently next to each other <laughs> so that you can be more productive. Because uh, as Mike says about iOS, he just prefers the way iOS works. I prefer the way OS 10 works. Well, although 
um, for the last couple of years prior to this this most recent job that I just started at, I was actively using two laptops at the same time for most of my workday. One Windows laptop and one uh, Mac laptop. So oh, then I, then I'm stealing your thunder. Yeah, you so are you are the original pioneer of the multi <laughs> multi Mac lifestyle. Uh, okay, but so but so to address this the the multi iPad thing. So you know, let me put this out there up front just to make it clear that I'm I'm not a completely irrational hater here. Like so, I'm I'm going out of town next week and fully intend on just bringing my iPad. There's a couple of work things I need to do, but I, I feel confident that I can do them just on my iPad and that bringing my, my full laptop just for those couple little things would be a total pain in the ass, particularly with, you know, going through TSA security and having to take it out of my bag, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm so not... Wait, are, are you not on pre-check? No, I've been lazy about that. Um, And it's there's a huge long wait for that in the Bay Area, which sort of is discouraging to even start the process. I think that's just global entry. Pre-check, uh, like I got an appointment like in three days. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like I had to go to Walnut, I had to go to Walnut Creek, but um, but whatever. Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure this is a local one, but yeah. Anyway, um, so I'm I'm not completely against the idea of using the iPad, even for you know limited amounts of work. But I I just continue to be completely baffled by the idea of attempting to use an iPad as your primary machine, particularly for work purposes and you know specifically in in mike's example the the idea of overcoming some of the ipad's shortcomings in terms of replacing a mac by using a second ipad is is just i mean it's it's infuriating mike is mike is a very nice well-meaning person and i completely agree with you that upgrade is one of the podcasts i i most look forward to every week and and he's certainly part of that i mean he's half the show but uh, this is just an area that man i i just i just don't i just do not get it at all yeah i mean and, and the problem is, is a little bit is that it is both of them that are very are, are strong advocates of the ipad but yeah mike mike takes it to the extreme and like i kind of get it when when somebody says like because any and, and i don't mean to i i joke a lot but I don't mean to tell anybody that the way they do something is wrong. Like I have strong preferences about the way I like to do things, but that that's fine. Anybody can do whatever they want. My my only problem comes in when people will go through just such extraordinary lengths and hoops and do things in a really impractical way, like just mainly to prove a point or just show that like that it can be done. I don't know. Like it, it yeah, I get the appeal of an iPad, but for like, actual like capital w work like you just sometimes you actually need just just use a real computer once apple gives the ipad the time of day and actually gives a shit about whatever they think the next generation or revolution of computing will be then we'll talk about it but as it stands now like the ipad like the multitasking features are still abysmal like if you haven't like let's say you're like you're not just switching between like having slack on one side and safari on the other like picking a second application to use is like dang near impossible. Um, like it's it's just a mess, and I I just don't think that somebody should like go through these like weird hoops just to compensate for a product that Apple doesn't seem to to care to develop into like a mature proper computing device. So I I think the other thing that is going unsaid here is that 
Jason, Mike, and, and a lot of the other folks that kind of run in, in this T word circle is, you know, they have what are really the small handful of professions that you actually probably can get away with using an iPad for most, if not all of your work. But I, I think the the huge thing they're missing is that for the other 98.5% of professions out there, including yours and mine, there's just absolutely zero chance that the iPad in its current form would come even close to being able to do everything that we need to do. I mean, even like even just looking at the Mac, like even the idea of like just using something like Google Docs or something to try to get all my work done or like any other sort of like web-based application like that frequently is not enough. Like I need the full native, you know, office suite in, in the example that I'm using here. So, you know, I think it's, it's fine. It's, you know, to, to steal Merlin's phrase, right. It's fine for, for Jason and Mike and, and for some of those other folks and that, and that's great. But I, I do think they're missing the fact that they are the, not, I feel like even just saying exception is not doing it enough. I mean, they are the extreme they are, exception. They are the 1%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be not even 1%, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, very small percentage of people who that's going to work for, you know, people like you and me and, and, and most others out there, it's just the iPad is, is not going to come anywhere close. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I just think like an average work, like uh, an average work day, like, and, and I've tried this in the past during that, like one week that I tried to make an iPad or to my full-time computer, but like, it is impossible for me to like use Slack, use Excel and use Citrix in, in a row. Every single time it will bump me out of one of those things either making me reopen the sheet that I was working on, disconnect my remote desktop session. Like the iPad just does not like you, you never go to your Mac, like go do something else for a little bit and then click on Excel again. And it, Oh, like your, your application exited out and half of your stuff is gone. Even for Mike and Jason, who I, you know, am, am sort of granting here that, okay, maybe their particular job could could have a shot at working even for them they they have to go through all these crazy hoops and you know extreme measures like using a second ipad to even make it work for them so even and you hear about all this stuff like where like they're trying to like make like workflow uh, uh uh automation scripts or whatever just to allow themselves to like spit out a pdf or something where it, on os 10 it's command p and then save as pdf like it's all that like i get it but like at least wait until apple makes the tools that allow this to be feasible like i don't know it just seems like you're putting a ton of work on yourself to prove some uh, something that just i don't know well and, and you know i i think we i'm sure i've used this exact line on the show before but you know between the ipad and the mac i, I definitely believe the ipad is closer to the future of computing you know a, a decade from now with whatever device we're using I think it's it's going to look closer to the iPad than it is to a a laptop as we know it today. But the iPad in its current form is just not not what you need for your everyday work. To round this out, I'm going to give two bad analogies. The first is that a Mac is like a regular car and an iPad or the way that Mike uses it is like a Vespa with a sidecar. Like you're tr you're trying to strap on all these things that somehow make it as functional as something else, but it's way way worse. Technically, yes, it'll still get you from point A to point B, but it doesn't do it in the way that you'd expect it to. And unless 
the vehicle you're using or like the infrastructure around it changes, like it it's just it's it's nonsense. You 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 look like somebody riding a Vespa down the freeway with with a dog wearing goggles on the side. <laughs> that's that's the twelve point nine inch in the in the baby pro. So anyway. Uh, all right, anyway, I think that's uh that's enough of the the upgrade fallout. Yeah. Uh, so I will I will let you take your pick of uh, of the meteor topics of the main courses. Yeah, I think um, I think we got to talk about the the Apple announcements this week. Not not even necessarily for just the announcements themselves, but sort of what they mean maybe for this spring and other potential new announcements or or lack thereof. Sure. Um, so to recap for folks, uh, was this yesterday, Tuesday, the twenty first? I think um, mm-hmm. Apple came out with um, a red version, a product red version of the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus. And then they came out with a new version of the iPad 9.7 inch and iPad mini, uh, both of which are not pro models. So they're they're not compatible with the Apple Pencil. They don't have the smart connector. They have an, it is an, it's an A9 processor, I think, instead of an A9X. Um, and they have a quote brighter screen, but I don't think that means they have the the wide color gamut screen that the the nine point seven inch iPad Pro does. So yeah, not a laminated screen, no Apple Pencil support, none of the stuff that would make it closer to a Pro. Right. So you know, none of none of those announcements really all that interesting when look when looked at you know in isolation. But sort of the 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 big question I have, which I'll kind of throw over to you, is so you know. To me, like all of these product announcements would have been like it, this is the formula with every big Apple event where there's the marquee one or sometimes two product announcements. And then, you know, to kind of use your phrase, there's sort of this grab bag of other stuff that they'll typically announce just to sort of round out the event. And, you know, everything that I just described, the red iPhone and the iPad updates, totally feel like something that would have been in that grab bag category in an event. So given that these things just came out with a press release, like does that does that mean we're not going to get the the long rumored spring event this year? So to be honest, I don't know. Um this really feels like it would have taken like refreshed iPads and like in a product red iPhone. Like that seems it seems at least equal to if not um more important than any potential like refreshed iMac or something greater than this. And it also just seems like it would feel really weird for Apple to send out invites in three weeks saying, um, we have big news to announce about the iPad. Then why wouldn't you just held this for that? So yeah, I would probably say this like says all signs point to no for some type of spring event. Um yeah, it, it was a weird. It's a weird announcement overall. Like it, it seems like it could mean a couple of things. Like one, I'm I'm incredibly surprised that Apple, that Tim Cook allowed Apple to discontinue the iPad Mini, uh, iPad Mini two after only three and a half years. Normally, he's he's all about keeping things on for for a decade at a time. Um, the uh, the new iPad. I like. What do you think it means? Because it it gets things closer. Like like the gulf between the iPad Pro and the standard like ten inch iPad is now huge. Like it's a three hundred and thirty dollar difference, I think, in between those two models, and they're really not that much different, other than the camera and the pencil. And like most people just won't care about the the 
laminated screen or any of that kind of stuff. So like, what does that mean? Is that them admitting that they're not moving enough iPads? Like, I, yeah, what, what's the deal? I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's, <clears throat> that's inevitably part of the decision-making process. But I, I think Apple's shown for a long time now, particularly with the iPhone over the last five years, they really like the idea of basically covering every price point on on the scale. Like you think about with the iPhone, you know, it, particularly if you include the idea of being able to buy both, well, subsidize isn't really the right word anymore, but with with carrier agreement or however we want to phrase that now, or completely off contracts or like unsubsidized, like literally the scale of the iPhone or the price range of the iPhone goes from $0 to, I mean, what, eight or $900. And I think they they like having they like being able to hit lots of different price points in that range, and it kind of seems like you know the iPad perhaps that low end of the range has maybe been a little bit too high, and I don't know if this necessarily means that they want to start putting a ton of focus on the low end of the market, but I think this is at least an admission that you know, they, in order to get the iPad into more people's hands, maybe need to widen the range that they previously had. So I think, I think we'll still see updates to the pro models and I, they'll, they'll continue to, you know, make updates to them just as regularly or probably even more regularly than they would with these non-pro models. So I don't think it means that they're getting away from pro. I think maybe it just means again that they, um, you know, they did, they just want to, you know, widen, widen the range, I guess I'll, I'll stick with that phrase. Well, so, so how, how so? Because the iPad pro, uh, 13 inch, uh, was released a year and a half ago, still lags behind the iPad pro 10 inch in terms of, um, like true tone display and some of those things. And then the iPad mini, uh, four got no, uh, like that. I think it's now 128 gigs only. And didn't get touched at all. So what? Like, I, yeah, I'm not really sure what does that mean for those models. Well, the mini, the mini, um, didn't it get bumped to the A9 as well as part of the announcements? I don't, I don't think so. Hmm. Well, in in, in any case, um, I mean, the iPad's been moving towards a, a two year upgrade cycle for a while now. So I, I don't, I don't think the. I think if if at this time next year we still haven't seen an update to either version of the Pro, that would that would probably be a little concerning. But I think we're still very much within the kind of normal normal uh, upgrade cycle, at least as it's being currently defined. And can this is related? But can you remind me? Was it official that Apple said um, iPad features were being moved to like point releases? Like with, with iOS ten, there were al- there were almost no changes that affected the iPad. No, that that w- I I think the genesis of that was um, Federico Vitici when um, iOS ten came out um, last year. He had speculated that you know that would be an iPhone focused release, and that we'd see like a you know ten point four ten point five sometime in twenty seventeen. That would be iPad focused. And I think a bunch of people sort of just ran with that. Um, but no, I, I don't think that's ever been officially... Um, um, I don't think that's ever officially come out of Apple. Got it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just a challenging thing for me. Because like, this seems to to suggest that all Apple did was clean up the 
the product line a little bit, make it a little bit, maybe more approachable. Maybe that is like a solid business move because maybe people didn't understand why the iPad Air, the Air 2, um, existed alongside the Pro, which was not that much different. Now, if there's only one model and like there's a distinction, there's iPad and there's iPad Pro, that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I just, the entire lack of software updates and any any sign that they intend to make the iPad more than what it is makes me think like this just makes it seem like that the iPad is is very much on the back burner now because it's not a big contributor to sales but that also suggests that they're putting all literally all of their eggs in the iPhone basket um some some real time follow up so you you are right the the iPad mini uh, did not get the the processor bump that the um that the the 9.7 inch iPad got it j- just got a um uh storage bump uh, just like the uh, the iPhone SE which we which we did not mention also got a storage bump. Yeah. Um, and then also we got new red uh, product red iPhone 7s and 7 Plus. Um, oddly, or maybe not oddly, I don't know. Does the the iPod Touch, which a product that hasn't been updated probably in four years, which I mean, I'm not, doesn't really need their attention. There's a product red version of that one. Is that one white on the front? Is there a product red version of that? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, no, I guess, no, that one is white on the front. But yeah, like I like when the when they said they were changing, they're making this new color for the for the iPhone Seven. I was like, oh, that's actually kind of cool, because um, I've always been a huge huge fan of the product red edition um, products. And but yeah, it's it's white on the front, which seems to make no sense whatsoever, or it just doesn't look good. Like how cool would a black and red iPhone look? Yeah, I so when I saw the the headline, I I just saw the kind of the the, the main picture they initially put out, which was the back. And then I kind of got busy in the morning at work and didn't really follow up with it initially and just totally assumed that it would be black on the front and thought, yeah, like that'd look pretty sharp. And then it wasn't until later in the day that I saw a picture of the front and I saw that it was white. And I I think I slacked that to you and was just super confused. Yeah, kind of weird. But also it's kind of weird to release. Well, actually, maybe it's not. But like the phone is due to be replaced in like five months. I don't know. This kind of feels like remember when the the white iPhone four was delayed mm-hmm. and didn't end up coming out until April, right? Yeah, oh, just seems weird. Yeah, why? Well, so on, like, on, like if there was a like if there's a special edition iPhone SE because you know that won't get revved in September. I don't know that that seems to make more sense than a seven, but I, I I think on one hand you're right, but I mean most people don't need the latest and greatest iPhone. Even if there is a version of the iPhone this year, as is being rumored, that is a significant step up from what we have today, not everybody not everybody is going to want that. In fact, even when that phone is released, there's still going to be tons and tons of people who opt to buy an iPhone 7 or a 7S or, or whatever. So I don't know. For, for those people having a phone come out you know, six months in advance of a new model coming out, I don't think is a big deal. And for the people who it is a big deal for, like you and me, we just we just know not to buy it. Yeah, but I guess my 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 next thought would be: Does the iPhone eight or whatever come in this red color? No, I don't think so. Not initially. That just seems weird. Then I don't know. Nah, mm. eh, not really. No, the product the product red thing has has. I don't. I don't think it usually comes out with the first iteration of anything they do. It's almost always something that they add later. I don't recall that. I don't recall Product Red ever being part of like the initial announcement of a product. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, so that is that pretty much it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, the the biggest the biggest question is the one that I posed to you up front is so what what does that mean for the rest of the spring? Like, are, is it now is it now radio silence until WWDC? Which you know, if that's the case, Apple's sort of gotten away from big product announcements at WWDC. So then, does that mean we're not really going to hear much until September? Like, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the case. It just, it would be very, like, again, if anything was going to come out in the next two months, it seems like this stuff could have waited. Maybe maybe the iPhone color would have come out, but the iPad refresh, I'm not really sure that that makes a difference. Because there's no big software release that's coming along with it that that justifies it. Right. Um, and again, none of this is, is really terribly new other than the minor bump to what, and renaming of the iPad Air 2. So uh, on this note, I, I will briefly touch on something well actually maybe not too briefly um <laughs> we don't we don't do anything briefly on the show because we were we were getting into into an offline online offline meaning off the show but online meaning it happened over the internet uh, argument as to whether or not we should talk about uh what was brought up on the accidental tech uh, tech podcast uh, by marco mm. which was just kind of a complaint about like what is apple's problem with shipping things and and kind of what was the whole deal with 2016 and he, of course, is thinking of it in a very like um, power user type way, where most of his frustration lies with the uh, uh, neglect that's befallen most of the Mac products. But I think this speaks to a lot of other stuff with Apple. So I think my main point here with this was that 2016 was a really bad year for Apple. And I think the fact that the Mac Pro is now three and a half or four years without an update that the new MacBook Pro is, is is a very underwhelming, confusing product that has a, its marquee feature is something that most people probably don't care about. Like, like what what is the deal with Apple? Like, does anything about the company need to change? Like, what is going on? I, the, my reading of it, which is what I shared with you offline, is they're simply focusing on the things that 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 matter to them more. For, and, and when I say matter to them more, I mean two things. One. The obvious one, right, is just financially the iPhone represents an overwhelming majority of their revenue and profits. But then I think maybe even more importantly, and this is the point that I think is the is the better counter argument to the idea that Apple's sort of losing their focus or um, you know looking at their lack of updates to the Mac as being a problem, and that's. iOS or at least some form of iOS and iPhones and iPads or at least some form of that type of device, that's the future of computing, not a traditional laptop. So for both financial and sort of just kind of larger future of technology questions, focusing on traditional laptops and desktops is just, it's just not the right answer. So I I just, I guess I... I guess I can't really think, or I guess I'd maybe I'd like to hear from you. Sort of, what's the counter argument to that? Why should Apple spend a lot of time and resources updating devices that are a very small part of their business comparatively, and which are likely not where technology is going? Several reasons. So, first off, I think it's misguided football. I, d- I disagree with a lot of your points. So I think the iPhone 
yes, it makes up the lion's share of the revenue and of their product sales. I think like last quarter, it was like 68 or 69% of their total revenues. Um, and that does make it an extremely important product. But the fact that the Mac and other products are getting so are being so poorly neglected, it, it would suggest that the iPhone would be make, making much greater advances than it actually is. Because we're in the third year of the iPhone 6 life cycle. The iPhone 7 is not an iPhone 7. It's an iPhone 6SE. Like we discussed this when it came out. So I, I fail to see where all this dedication of resources is going. Is the Are these resources being dedicated to make sure iCloud is in tip-top shape? Is it being set to make sure that I get random pop-ups saying enter my Apple ID password all the time? Is it... Um, is it the fact that like on the iPad and that kind of stuff, like you you multitasking is still like horribly broken? Like, is it the fact like are all these resources being spent on making sure HomeKit is a success? Um, are all these resources like where is this going? If the other products are so unimportant, why aren't there revolutionary changes happening to the iPhone? So well, so, so I think you make a totally valid point around the iPhone, at least where we stand today. But just like I told you earlier, I, th I think the counterpoint to that is, by all accounts, this year's iPhone is going to be a huge leap forward. And I think if that ultimately pans out, you know, come this September or October, that argument really doesn't hold water anymore. And I, I, I totally grant you that we're in a bit of a lull with the iPhone. But Truth be told, it's sort of the first time that's happened in, you know, the device's almost 10-year history. And I, I, it's probably not the last time that's going to happen. But I think it, it's a situation like this where you have to kind of take a step back, see the bigger picture, and sort of understand that if this year's phone really is a big upgrade, that everything sort of falls back into place. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge if, though. Because again, this year was supposed to be a huge upgrade to the iPhone, and it wasn't the I only thing that... I don't no, think no, so. No, I, I think don't, it was. I, no. I don't think so. I don't. I, it seemed like we were getting signals months and months ahead of time that like, hey, this is going to be the first time that Apple's used the same form factor three years running. Like, I, 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 feel, like, I feel like the opposite. The expectation was set that, yeah, this, this phone... In fact, remember, like, even the night before the event, like, we were wondering, like, are they even going to call this thing the iPhone 7? Uh, no, I, I still disagree, because everybody was all uh, up in arms that, like, the, the, the camera was going to be absolutely revolutionary, and all we got was a camera that is slightly better and has some software tricks on the big phone. That's all it was. Remember all the rumors of DSLR quality... Uh, yeah, amazing that was, revolution. That was one article that Gruber wrote like 18 no, months the, ago. There there were multiple, like I, I disagree with the fact that you're suggesting that all throughout the run up to the iPhone seven, everybody's like, Oh, it's going to be a mediocre upgrade. And then whiz bang, amazing things are going to happen with the iPhone eight. I, I just don't buy it. And in the, the whole, all the rumors about this alleged iPhone pro, which, which is a terrible name. If that actually pans out like a thousand dollar or an $1,100 phone, that has like a screen that goes further to the edges and like has like what what are these revolutionary features? What new courageous thing is going to appear on this phone? <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm being serious. Like, what what is it? Well, as I say many times on the show, if I if I knew what those things were, I well, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably still do the show because I, I enjoy doing that with you. But I, I'd I'd be off in addition to doing the show. 
I'd be off making a lot more money doing. You'd be doing it from a much bigger apartment. <laughs> yeah, I'd be still doing, an apartment. Be doing it from um, a personal podcast studio built into my apartment. Yeah, yeah, from your study. Uh huh. Right. Um. No, but like seriously, like what are the alleged features other than what I keep hearing is that it like it has like an, an iPhone uh, seven plus size screen and an iPhone seven chassis or like or body. What 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 are the big features that are allegedly happening? Well, I think the like in terms of rumors, the big thing I've seen is the sort of um, replacement of the home button with the concept of sort of like a multifunction area at the bottom. So you yeah, have, but, but Samsung did that six years ago. Well, come on. Hold on. Let me, let me send you a picture of this terrible phone. A- of Apple is Apple is rarely the first to do something, but when they do something, it's it's generally quite a bit better than what's come before. So I'm not sure that's. I think you're discounting uh, the innovation factory that is Samsung. <laughs> Perhaps. Like I, I just don't know, man. Because, but here's here's my other point: is that this is not like a- Apple has grown as a company, and I'm not saying matured. I'm saying they've grown in size, where they have more people to do more things. I don't think the people who make Macs and work on Mac hardware. Because I'm not necessarily complaining about the Mac in terms of software. I think the software is actually pretty mature. And if anything, I think they need to slow down on the software and that these annual OS releases are are nonsensical. But the people who are making Mac hardware, I really don't think that those are the people who are making iPhone hardware. Like, I'm sure there's some overlap in the supply chain, but I don't think the person who specializes in Intel processor selection and like um, like chipset management on an x86 computer is intimately familiar with how arm and iphone internals work like i think these things can coexist and for a company that uh, that's of this size that they're having to build a whole new campus to house all these employees like how is it that they can't manage to release a computer more than once every four years like this i'm very happy to say that my imac is still the newest computer newest desktop that apple has released but it's a year and a half old that just seems that seems weird. Apple always used to be insanely committed to making sure that their customers had the best tools possible to do their jobs. All of this software that runs on these insanely important like on this product that's insanely important to Apple's future that comprises 68% of their total revenues, people are having to develop software for them on computers that are 4 years old. It, it just put people on the on the on the job. I don't get it. Well, but I mean, are I mean, I, I this is a legitimate question. I I don't know. Are are iPhone developers like hamstrung by the current Mac hardware? Yes. Really? Like you never like again. I kind of want to keep going back to market. Like, but it like Xcode on like this weird four year old Mac Pro that's still. And that's the other thing with the Mac Pro, which sorry, I'm I'm not actually going to end up answering your question because I'm I'm going off in a different direction. But the Mac Pro. You can say like, oh, whatever, uh, it's not a very important product that doesn't move a lot of units, so therefore Apple doesn't care to give it the attention, which, whatever, okay, sure, let's let's say that's a valid thing to say. Uh, for a four-year-old computer, it has literally never taken a price drop. Why does that computer still cost $3,000 for what amounts to a very slow computer? Like that, that's just like, I, I don't even know what that says about Apple other than just like disdain for your customers and just, and just being, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. 
the <laughs> I just I just kind of did a Google search to see what would come up here, and uh, when you search for Mac Pro, the the first link you get is of course the the official Apple link, and the the tagline I'm I'm not kidding is literally introducing the new Mac Pro, built for creativity on an epic scale. The Mac Pro was introduced. Ba- like a few months after the inauguration of Obama, or, or after the after Obama won re-election, literally, you you could live through a, an entire presidency, and I'm sure you'd want to relive it. <laughs> yeah, for a four year old computer, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think the new Mac, I think the old Mac Pro might still be the newest thing we get while America's still a country, right? Like. Come on, like I just I don't know how you give them a pass on this. All I all I'm saying is that I expect more from Apple. That I think that they were always like I think under Steve Jobs that the, uh, that having good Macs even when they weren't really succeeding, even when the iPad uh, iPod was insanely successful, making good Macs and making best in class hardware for their customers was insane an insane point of pride for yeah them. but th- that's th- that's not a fair comparison though because the it is the, no it's not because the ipod in its heyday d- did, did not even is it was not even a rounding error compared to what the iphone is today it's it's a completely different scale okay but think of the scale of the company think of the the amount of people that were working on mac hardware at the time relative to the size that the company has grown to now why does that have to slow down? Mm. Again, like I'm not like we're not saying reallocate the attention of like a hundred people. Like we're not saying like uh, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for this, but like you're not just taking like a 100 person team and saying, well, we have this one that we we spend half our time on this, but now we have this one thing. It's like if if you're a restaurant and you used to make sushi and then you introduced pizza and now pizza is super popular and now you need more people to make pizza, but you hired a whole ton of people, a whole ton of people to help make pizza, yet somehow you stop making sushi when a whole bunch of people still like sushi and you still have the people that could have done it. You just don't care to put it on the menu. So I I appreciate that an- analogy. I'm not sure that actually works. <laughs> no, I, well, I, I I don't think it does. But and and here's why is because I think the other thing you might be missing is you know what's different today than you know ten to fifteen years ago with with the iPod and that that sort of timeline that you're talking about is you know if if you're if you're the most talented engineer in the world, do you want to be spending your time working on the Mac, or do you want to be working on the iPhone? Or, I mean, the other big thing that we're not talking about here is Apple spends hundreds of millions of dollars on development that we don't even know about yet, right? On on new products. So I think that's the other big issue is, whereas in, again, the time period that you're talking about, let's say 15 years ago, if you were a really talented hardware or software engineer, the idea of working on the Mac was still really exciting and it's something that you'd really want to do. Is that is that true anymore? How many really top-notch engineers want to be working on the Mac now? I'm guessing that number <laughs> I'm guessing no. that number is a lot smaller than it used to be. Maybe, but again, I think you're misreading the problem. The, the Mac is not evolving like 
even for the lack of attention that it has, the Mac is not evolving at a pa- at the same pace as something like a phone would. So therefore, I'm not necessarily certain the engineering talent needs to be that great. And I'm sure a company as large and as prestigious as Apple has the ability to still get that talent. Yeah, but you're you're falling into that argument that a lot of people make, which is you just think that, well, Apple's got all the money in the world, so they can just throw enough money at the problem and and make it go away. But that's that's not necessarily no, I'm saying, I'm saying true. Throw, I'm saying throw any money at the problem. Well, but well. like again, I'm not saying that they have to reinvent the like. I'm not saying that they need to make a computer that's that's glass on that's just like a bendable piece of glass and that it's that it's ten times faster and that it's amazing. I'm saying that they should be able to make a, a professional desktop computer that is fast, that's comparable to something even fucking HP can churn out, and and slap it in a shiny case and call it a day. But, well, but but okay. Like but, I like but, making making a better kind of like let's say it's uninspired, but just make, like even if you you're like oh whatever Apple's just phoning it in with their desktops, but if they just make something that's current, like how is that not an improvement? Well, but what okay? So but what about this? What if they have thought about that and they've done the analysis to say, well, we we could put the time and and effort into doing that. But we would ultimately only sell X number of these things and barely turn a profit. I refuse to believe that making Macs is an unprofitable business. Well, it's not, sir. Per, Especially, maybe. Well, well, hold on though. Maybe, maybe not from just a pure like cash flow perspective. But I mean, you also have to look at the time and the energy spent towards that type of development. And maybe they thought, well. You know, every minute that we're spending thinking about the Mac is a minute that we're not thinking about these other things. Again, including things that we don't even know about yet. You know, it's, it's, and it, you know, they just don't sell that many Macs. I mean, you know, that's. I think they sell plenty of Macs. Last quarter, wasn't it three, uh, almost 4 million? But that, that's not really that many in the grand scheme it's of things. It's enough. Uh, I'm may, not. Maybe. Say- it does not need to take up half of Tim Cook's schedule. I don't even think some of the key people have to be involved. You can ha- good leaders can can hire good leaders can hire teams to take on different projects and delegate those tasks to make a quality product. I'm not saying this is something that Johnny Ive has to whittle out of a big block of aluminum and 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 spend all of his time on, and therefore they're giving the intern the 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 reins to make the iPhone eight. That's not what would happen. You can still put some effort and put even a quarter of your ass into making a Mac and it would be okay. Well, so this this is not an original point and, and maybe I've already repeated it on the show before, but I mean, yes, clearly something has happened with the Mac Pro and yeah, the iMacs are a little overdue for for an update. But I mean, it, it does kind of feel like you're conveniently, conveniently forgetting that Apple did just, you know, less than six months ago, completely, essentially, essentially completely redesign the MacBook Pro. Now, a crap update. Oh, well, okay, okay. So you can we we can debate about you know whether or not those upgrades are what you want or or whether they're even good or not. But I think what's probably not debatable is that you know the, the, particularly the Touch Bar that that probably took a ton of time and resources. And again, maybe that's not in your personal taste, but 
they didn't just slap that thing into the computer and, and call it a day. I mean, they, they made the, the conscious decision to really spend a lot of time and effort on that. And it took how long? It took a long time. I mean, it took, you know, the, the last major refresh was was probably when they first rolled out Retina Displays in, you know, 2013. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was about three years. But and how many and how many new iPhones were there in that time? A lot, as there should be, because exactly. they, because the iPhone is but, way way more important to the company than the Mac is. Abs- absolutely. But what I'm saying is, they can make more than one new Mac every four years. They ca- they they can they can, but but should they? Yes, they should, because it is Apple's responsibility, and it was one of Apple's what core beliefs mean, what, a what while ago. Even, what does that even mean? Apple's res- Apple's responsibility is to its shareholders. I mean, what what is what is a responsibility? I mean, you talk about some type of like moral responsibility, kind of. Yeah, but that, here's that's, the thing: no, that's di- nonsense, though. No, it isn't because Disney. Let, let's uh, it, Apple and Disney go way back, or like they're like related companies. Disney could say that, you know what, what would probably make the most money is if we made like hyper violent movies and we just did, we just churned out um, Michael Bay style stuff and we just made absolute crap that was to the lowest common denominator. And we just did that. And let's abandon whatever actually made us successful and what gives our identity as, as Disney. But they don't. And they still make animated features and this kind of stuff while expanding their their um their body of work because like don't they own like star wars and marvel now yeah they do so couldn't star isn't star wars the iphone no but but star wars they're they're coming out with a new star wars movie every single year from you know two years ago into the foreseeable future sure and they still made zootopia and they still made that other stuff like they're still making other things that are synonymous with their brand and that are valuable things I'm not saying they have to make movies that they lose. They make movies that they lose money on, but there's still other things they do because that's what they do. But but Apple Apple's doing the same thing again. They they just completely redesigned their number one selling computer <laughs> after three and a half years, and it's not, and it it's and it's great for people who like sawed off half their fingers because <laughs> they don't need the key travel anymore. Like what? This is not going anywhere. Sorry, I was, I was going to say to end the topic, I was going to say, let's just agree that you're wrong. <laughs> um, like, but you are, man. Um, I just think that when, as a company grows, there's at least, the, can you concede the point that the price of the Mac Pro should at least be less? Yes. Oh, a- absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the Mac, clearly, clearly something has gone awry with the Mac Pro. And it's, it is a complete and utter embarrassment where the mac pro is today the that in indefensible yeah so this, this again i'm not sure we i'm not sure we solved a lot of problems here but again my, my my closing argument is just that apple seems like fundamentally it it should have it has this responsibility and it's it's a responsibility i think they've taken on in the past for a long time even when apple was doomed that they make the best possible computers they can. And in particular, when you have a product as important as the iPhone, you want to make sure that the people who are developing the software that makes your product so damn successful so that you can move all those iPhones every quarter, that you, you make the best possible tools for them. So unless Apple is going to choose to make Xcode for Windows, 
they should make computers that are worth buying. And and then I and I say this, and it's sorry, I, sh- I should clarify that because that sounded a little bit hyperbolic and super negative. But I am somebody who owns two Macs and um, but very much enjoys using them. But it, it just pains me that like I feel like I might have bought the last two good computers they make, and God knows when they're ever going to update them. I think that's a, a, good, a good place to close it out. <laughs> uh, you can edit that down. Yeah, no, we'll 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 cut we'll cut this down. You want to talk about Pandora? Sure. So, <laughs> be another angry segment. <laughs> so you're the only person that's had a chance to use it. But so, was this uh, like summer of last year when RDO went under, or how long has it been? Uh, well, so Pandora purchased RDO. Uh, this was the end of 2015, December 2015. Oh goodness. Okay. So a long while ago. So I think uh, about a week ago now, uh, Pandora released officially uh, Pandora Premium, which is their $10 a month kind of we do streaming to type offering. Um, They, back in the winter of 2015, they bought the remains of RDO, which was the number three, probably, uh, streaming music service that was kind of beloved by like developer types and that kind of stuff. Like all people who didn't want to use Spotify ended up using RDO. So now they, they, from the ashes of RDO, is Pandora Premium. And they released that, except it's not really available to almost anybody. And they didn't bother to make an iPad app or a web app or any of that kind of stuff. So I'm just curious, like, what you think is, like, where where does this product fit? Because it's, it's like, five years late to the game compared to everybody else. Like, I it, even when people thought Apple was super late to the game... Like this feels even more so, and the fact that it launched without actually launching just seems weird. Yeah, well, yeah. So I think to address that last point, um, it, it's a, a stage rollout, which I, which I think is sort of in in step with with what they've historically done. Um, you know, even my personal experience with the rollout was was weird, where. Um, you know, the articles I had read indicated that you would be like notified when when you were upgraded to premium because essentially what they were doing was they were saying, hey, if you're an existing plus user, which was their um, ad free service that allowed you to have more skips and replays, if you were a plus user, you're going to be the first ones to get premium and, and you'll be notified when, you, when you're upgraded. And I, and I think the deal is if you're a plus subscriber, you get premium at the plus price, which is $5 a month as opposed to 10 for the first six months. So with me, I, I didn't get any notification. And instead, a couple of days before premium showed up on my phone, I started getting this, this banner message whenever I would use Pandora on the web that would say, hey, as a Pandora premium user, we just want to let you know that the, the premium features aren't available on the web yet. And it's, so the first time I saw that banner, like I immediately went to my phone and I still just had plus there. And again, it wasn't until a couple of days later where the premium stuff kicked in. No notification or anything. I just literally, I opened the app one evening and it was like, oh, you have premium now. So, so yeah, kind of a weird, a weird rollout. So, you know, rollout issues aside, I, I have been able to to use the service for about a week now and you know it, it's exactly what you what you would want it to be. It's it's very very much like RDO, and you know we were total RDO fanboys for a long time. 
notwithstanding the just crazy bugs that were in that RDO app, which were just beyond comprehension. Um, but I mean, that actually should show how much we enjoyed the app was that we were willing to put up with all of the bugs that we saw. Um, so I think, you know, the best way to describe the, the Pandora premium thing, which is exactly what I told you offline is, you know, it's like the old audio app, but without the bugs and with your Pandora radio stations, which is a, which is a pretty compelling service. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the question remains, is it, is it too late just because you have so many people already kind of bought into either the Apple music or, or Spotify ecosystem? Um, and I think that's just what we're going to have to see play out over time. You know, I think Pandora's argument is that they, you know, continue to have this huge, almost 80 million person audience on their radio service, you know, many of which are not subscribed to one of these other services, or even if they are, perhaps could be persuaded to come over to uh, Pandora for their on-demand needs. And I think, you know, that's just a big open question that we're going to have to to wait to see play out. Like, you know, could, could really see it going either way. Well, I, I'm glad to hear that your, your experience has been positive so far. But so is, what is your call? Do you think it is too little too late? If you just have to like bottom line it, what do you think? No, I, I guess I don't, I don't think so. Um, because, you know, the number of people who are paying for one of these subscription services is still really small. And I, and I think, I think there's a, there's been a recognition. So if you you take a, a big step back with the music industry, obviously for years and years and years, going back to the late nineties and early 2000s, the industry fought tooth and nail against the idea of at first downloads and then kind of eventually streaming services. And it really hasn't been until the last couple of years that, that the industry has recognized that like it or not, this is the the future of the industry. And I, I think, I mean, just to be as blunt about it as possible in large part, because of that resistance, they've enabled this, black market or this gray market, I think as Pandora likes to use the the term of where a bunch of people are basically just use listening to music for free, whether that be through YouTube, which kind of tends to be one of the biggest sources, um, or through other means. And, you know, I, I do think that over time that that gray market is is going to get squeezed. I mean, there's, there's always going to be people who just straight up pirate music and, and you're just going to have to live with that. But I think there's going to be a recognition by the industry to kind of, you know, cut down on the, like, you know, to use Spotify as an example, to kind of cut out a lot of those ridiculously discounted trials they do, um, or to go back to the example of YouTube, get rid of a lot of the just free music you can listen to there. So I, th- I think there's going to be a shift towards really trying to get people to to subscribe in larger numbers. And so if that actually pans out and if a larger percentage of people who, you know, use these streaming services ultimately do end up paying a monthly fee, then I think, you know, Pandora could be positioned to to, to capture a lot of those folks. But again, that, that's another that's another big if. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think I think you're yeah, that that's a lot to chew on. I think you're right in a lot of ways where there is still like a massive untapped market or 
market of consumers who are going to like are going to zig or zag one way and, and pay and subscription paying music services are not going to go away. And a lot of people yeah, have not made that choice yet. So no, it, that is a good point. I was maybe thinking it probably maybe was probably too late, but no, that, that's a good counterpoint. But I think I still think for those people, it's still a very easy choice to think of the big two. Cause I mean, I, I, nobody actually uses Rhapsody or Napster, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know their subscriber accounts, but are they, are they big? No, no. I, th- I think when you look at the, big music players now you think of i i I think i think the big the big three are unquestionably apple spotify and pandora and and you can depending on what metrics you want to look at you can slice and dice the order of those three then i think you sort of have a second tier where you've got google and you've got surprisingly Amazon. I think Amazon services is pretty popular. Oh yeah, um, particularly just because it it comes bundled in with um, your Prime subscription. In fact, I actually just had this happen the other day where uh, the lady friend was listening to an album on her laptop, and I I just asked her like, oh like what are you what are you using to stream that? And she said, you know, Amazon Music. I was like, oh okay. She's like, yeah, just like you know, she's a Prime subscriber, so she just gets it. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, that that makes sense. Um, and then you know, I think after Google and Amazon, like SoundCloud fits in there somewhere. I mean, they're they're kind of in a weird spot, um, and, and kind of always have been because they they play a lot more into the kind of user generated stuff, whereas these these other services don't really do that. Um, and then I think b- beneath all these guys, you'd have the you know, like Rhapsodies and Napsters of the world. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I think my, my concern here, and, and I am somebody who has, I've been a paying subscriber of like Pandora one probably since like 2010, um, or sorry, Pandora plus now or Pandora premium soon, eventually. And this just feels like, I, I don't know. I don't know if their heart's going to be at it entirely. Cause I don't really understand how you, you launch uh, uh, what's supposed to be like your big splash into this very competitive market where it's a low margin business and you're in one of the, the like the biggest possible competitor you could have apple has just jumped into it with like um very generous three-month trials and all that kind of stuff like it just seems like if you're gonna do this and you're gonna try to pivot your business a bit or at least add some big new offering that you have to go all in and doing this weird staggered rollout where you have like big fanfare that the um that the service is debuting but it's only available to a very very small subset of users and you don't have um a web app or anywhere any way to listen to your computer no web app no mac app no um no tablet application no um apple tv application like nothing other than mobile which is to be on like it is as a counterpoint is the most popular way that anybody would listen to this. But it just seems like if you're the newcomer, you have to come prepared and doing a weird lay, uh, rollout where probably all the buzz will be gone by the time people can sign up. Like that just seems super weird. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think that's a fair point. I, I think the, the rollout or the staggered rollout nature of the launch is potentially problematic and you know going back to your original point the the timing is potentially problematic i mean in an alternate universe where you know pandora recognized 
and was able to pivot towards an on-demand service, say, you know, five years ago. I mean, that that really would have been, I th- I think, a killer combination. Because without a doubt, the weakest part of services like Apple Music and Spotify are their are their radio functions. And the, the radio stations just are not very good on those stations. Um, yeah, is, is iTunes Radio still a thing, or is it now just like Beats Playlists? It, it's still a thing, but it's behind a paywall, whereas it used to be available for free. Got it. Um, and, you know, I, I think by and large, I mean, I, at least for me, and I, I do think this is for a lot of people, as as is evidenced by the fact that even with only having a radio service, Pandora's been able to maintain such a large audience, is, you know, a lot of people do just want to lean back and just listen to music. They don't want to have to pick albums or build a playlist. They just want to be able to pick a genre or a, a you know album or a station or a artist and just stream, right? So I think that's a really popular method to listen to music, and is as per- perhaps the the most popular method of listening to music. But but it's not the only way people want to listen to music, and I, I think it. Unfortunately, it took Pandora a little too long to realize that, and they, you know, they also had a lot of baggage with having a very hostile relationship with the industry for a long period of time, and you know, a lot of things got kind of mixed in there. But you know, I, I do think it'd be an interesting alternative universe to see, you know, what would have happened if Pandora was able to do what they're doing now, again, like maybe five or six years ago. I think that'd been have been really interesting to see what that would have looked like. Yeah, so I mean, so of all the positive things I've read about the new service, it it does sound like Pandora has adhered very closely to the it is very very easy and quick to start listening to something you'll probably like. So, I mean, that sounds like a very promising Yeah, I mean, and there there's a lot of there's a lot of really smart things. I mean, they right out right out the gate they expose a um a playlist to you, an on-demand playlist to you that's literally just a list of every song that you've ever thumbed up which is pretty neat. They've got a lot of really cool stuff around. If you start building out a playlist, they'll there's a button that literally says, "Hey, just add an additional 30 minutes worth of music to this playlist." And what how that works is it it does so just by using your previous uh thumb preferences as you've listened to various radio stations. There's there's a ton of really really smart things. And I I, I really do think, like side by side, compared to something like Apple Music or Spotify, this is a way superior um, app and service. But this, these music services tend to be pretty sticky, so it's it's really hard to convince people to switch off. Um, I, I think probably what Pandora is banking on more than anything is the first point that I brought up, which is. I think they have to bank on the idea that the the total number of people that are ultimately going to subscribe to a music service is going to grow. And that as that number grows going forward, they're going to be able to grab a large percentage of people. I'm not I'm not entirely sure how many people they're going to be able to convince to switch off of other services. That that's a little bit trickier, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think the the biggest opportunity they have there is to make it available to people to listen to yeah yeah so do, do you do you still not have it i have nothing no and you're and you're a plus subscriber i've been a subscriber since it was pandora one huh so that's that's a little irksome um yeah no that yeah that yeah and just in the back of my mind i don't know like did, did they I, I like I, again it's already overdue and, and it's a late product but 
did they just rush it so that they could launch it South by Southwest, except they don't think it's ready, and that's why it's so limited? I don't, I don't think so. No. Just because, like, the, did, they, the did news... they announce it at South by Southwest? I didn't see they that. Had, they, sp- they wasted a whole bunch of money on a party at South by Southwest, yes. I didn't, I didn't Which, see that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, again, just it, the skeptic in me, like, just news cycles change so fast in, in a week. Or actually, I think probably everybody has already forgotten about it because it's been a week, yet nobody has access to it. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, when when you do eventually get access to it, it I'd be interested to hear what you think because it's, it's, it's pretty good. It, it's pretty much everything. I mean, the, the, literally within five minutes of getting ac- access to it, the first thing I did was cancel my Apple Music subscription. Wow. That's very decisive. Well, I mean, the, the Apple Music, I mean, really it's like for me, I'd say it's, 80 to 85% of my time listening to music is in that lean back radio style listening experience. So, you know, whenever I was doing that, I would just use Pandora, but then for that other 10 to 15%, I would want an on-demand service. I couldn't stand Spotify's mobile app and their, their desktop app wasn't much better. So I was kind of stuck using Apple music and, you know, it, it was fine, not great, but fine. Um, but the idea of, both having a better user experience and having everything just built into a single app is is super appealing so it's kind of a kind of a no-brainer for me just to you know have everything on pandora sure all right we're running long and it's getting late so do you want to jump right to picks of the week and we'll maybe table the apple podcasting discussion until next week or until the week after that yeah let's do it all right i'll let you go first okay so I am going to make a non-technology uh, pick because I, I know you like when we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the lady friend and I recently purchased a Roomba. That's a technology pick. Eh, kind of, <laughs> kind of. Um, so we we got the. Um, so it, it was recently actually dethroned as the wire cutters pick. They. They actually just a couple of weeks ago switched to uh, a, a less expensive um, automated vacuum cleaner. Uh, the, 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 the reason we didn't go with that one, though, was because that model doesn't allow you to um, schedule cleaning times throughout an entire week. You actually have to set a time each day. So like in the morning, if you want it to clean at a certain time, you actually have to remember to tell it to do that. Whereas with the Roomba, you can just say, hey... On Monday, clean at this time. On Tuesday, clean at this time, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we went with the Roomba. Now, this is the iRobot Roomba 650. Um, and this thing is, it's just, maybe it is actually, maybe it is a, a technology thing. Because it is, it's just really, it's really darn cool. It it actually works reasonably well. I mean, it, it's definitely not as good as a regular, you know, stand-up vacuum cleaner. But, um you know, on a couple of a couple of occasions, I've sort of just you know enabled it and kind of watched it do its thing, and it's really neat the way that it works. Like you can you can kind of see some of the logic that it uses, where it you know it identifies where the corners in the room are, and um, it somehow I don't even really even know how it does this. It somehow sort of recognizes when it's covered the entire area, and then it you know it, it goes back home and and charges itself. Um, it's overall just a, a really kind of neat little, neat little device. Hmm. What, what's your, what's your gauge on how well it cleans? 
Um, well, you know, so it has a relatively small bin, um, but every time it cleans, that bin is pretty much full. So, you know, it, it's clearly, it's clearly picking up stuff. And I, I would say that when, you know, when we come home and, and look around, like, you know, the rugs in particular, like are, are noticeably cleaner. Like you can tell they've been, you know, they can tell they've been vacuumed. <laughs> Uh, is there any type of Alexa integration? <laughs> I say that only half joking. So the thing with the Roomba is they, so we got the, basically the very just basic base model. You can go out and get like, I think it's the the 700 or the 900 series or something that's got like a smartphone app and it's got all kinds of crazy stuff. And I could see that maybe having an Alexa integration, but, um, but no, that this is, this is just sort of a basic, basic version. No, no smartphone app or anything. Got it. Well, cool. Yeah. That's, that's pretty neat. Do you, do you enjoy the sounds it makes when it's done? <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. I think that's the best kind of part of it. Do, do you, do you have one? No, no, I've, 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 I, I find vacuuming too important to me to, to delegate it to a robot. Well, so so here here's kind of the the workflow. So the Roomba runs every day. So it runs every actually it's every weekday. Every weekday, ten a.m. So basically, like when we're when we're gone, it it does its thing. Actually, a little funny side note that you'll appreciate. Um, it sets off the canary. Yeah. Yep. So it it well. So I I've you know because the canary has a smart feature where you can ramp up the sensitivity for when it actually sends you a notification. So it it does trigger the canary but only to the point where it records video but doesn't actually act actively send me a notification but it's just it's just really funny that i can go back like in the afternoon and like look in the morning and there'll be this these little videos of the the Roomba going through the living room here um but anyway that's pretty good yeah well cool yeah that's uh gotta be pretty fun um oh but i guess actually what i was going to finish my thought on was you know the the Roomba it'll run during the week but then you know still once a week or so we'll we'll bring out the full vacuum but it's kind of nice to have something kind of in that interim period do you ever do the uh Buster Bluth thing and feed it <laughs> have not done that yet all right and then my pick of the week I'll make actually make this quick this will be a technology one but is as part of my whole um re uh, uh the upgrades I've made when I've moved uh, my pick is going to be the Bose SoundTouch 300 soundbar. It's pretty, pretty good. It's it's Bose's competitor most closely to the Sonos Play Bar. Um, it's an internet connected soundbar uh, that works off of optical, Bluetooth, and Wi-Fi. Um, I really, really, really like it mostly for its Bluetooth features, just because it's a really terrific sounding um, Bluetooth speaker. So just when I walk in. I don't have to do anything, don't interact with any remotes. All I do is tell the phone to connect to that. It wakes it up automatically when it does the Bluetooth pairing, and then I can listen to my podcast uh, easy. And then if I turn on the television, it automatically switches over to that intelligently. Um, I can play Spotify remotely from my Mac on it. It's it's just, it's pretty great. Doesn't need a subwoofer. Sounds awesome. Yeah, very highly recommended. Yeah, so I, I have a really, just really basic soundbar, and it, it has a standalone subwoofer, it, it, which is wireless, which is good, but still, you know, the idea of not having to have a, um, a subwoofer at all is really appealing. Um, 
I guess the the thing that I can't get over though, comparing the one that we have versus something like this is, you know, I live in an apartment where I have to keep the volume pretty low most of the time. So it just feels hard to, feels hard to justify because I think we spent like $140 on ours. Kind of feels, feels tough to justify spending the extra, you know, what, $660 or whatever. So this one was, yeah, this one was $699. I don't know, for me, the big difference was that like, also, yeah, I, I'm, I try to be an incredibly considerate neighbor and that's why the importance of no sub was really important because I don't want to bother the people below me. Because even if you play something at like a lower volume, if you have that sub uh, like on your floor, that's it's not great. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's clean, it's it's small, and it gets the job done. So I don't know. I'm I'm happy with it. So how do you, how do you have this connected to your TV? Uh, just optical. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it supports HDMI, uh, HDMI ARC, which I finally looked up what that actually meant. It it's a way to use one of your HDMI ports as just an audio relay, but it also uses HDMI CEC to allow you to control the soundbar volume and input controls using your TV remote. Got it. But since that had a much since that had a much thicker cable, and I already have a universal remote control, I just used the thinner optical cable, and it's been working out fine. Well, and considering that our TV only has three HDMI ports to begin with, not that I'm bitter about that. Um, I don't know why you'd want to dedicate one to this. Yeah, well, I only have two things I plug into my TV. Yeah, just because I'm not a gamer. Um, just Apple TV and TiVo. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of went went on a rant the other day with a friend about this, where you know the five year old Samsung 1080p TV that I replaced for this 4K TV we have, it had five HDMI ports. And again, this was like five years ago. I, I don't know why we're going backwards with the number of HDMI ports most TVs have. Even that LG TV, the OLED TV that we lust after, it also only has three HDMI ports, which is just kind of frustrating. I think that's fine. If you need more, you probably have a receiver or you can buy an HDMI switch. Yeah, but it, see, that's 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 the thing, though. And we, I was talking about this, too. HDMI switches start to get really weird with 4K. So do so do USB-C peripherals, but you're, <laughs> you're, you're all about this. Your whole point during the Mac discussion was that the... The MacBook Pro is the be all and all of the future. No, I I didn't I didn't once give an opinion about um, USB C. I actually had a. It's funny you bring that up. I actually have a a coworker who just started this week who uh, we ordered a new MacBook Pro for, and he got one of the the new non touch bar models. <laughs> so it oh, only has two ports, so therefore he only has one port. <laughs> so he so yeah so he has you know USB C. <laughs> And he's got this big dongle connected to it, like this like hub thing connected to it, um, where he's got you know all of his like USB A and uh, um, yeah all these other connectors to it, and it's just ugh, it's a mess. I think that's called innovation. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Anyway, all right, cool. And just a scheduling note: we will be off next week, but we will see folks uh, on April Fool's Day. No, not no, really. not beginning of April. Not really. <laughs> For first week of April. Maybe that maybe that was your that was your first April Fool. Exactly. <laughs>